Hey everyone, this is Verbs, and you are listening to a continued conversation that we're doing with both podcasts, Lead to Win and Focus on This. So in the room today, we have Michael Hyatt, Megan Hyatt-Miller, Courtney Baker, myself, Sands Blake Stratton. Sorry, Blake, you're with us in spirit, but we're here to uh, have another conversation centered around you having a medium or a method of really paving the pathway to hope uh, in your life basically saying you have agency and we're going to be talking about limiting beliefs liberating truths all the things of sorts first let me welcome you all here at the table how's everybody doing hey verbs it's good to be back hey verbs thanks for having us on absolutely and thank you for having us on (laughs) (laughs) what house are we in right now (laughs) i know right we're like in between the two houses right here that's right we're in the backyard (laughs) But guys, I'm excited about this topic. You know, I think that we're, we're kind of trying to pivot from yesterday's podcast a little bit, and, and it is necessary to process the past. But as we begin to look to the future, you know, we see that there are sometimes some things that not just the past, but other things that shut down our perspective or make it smaller than it needs to be. We often call these limiting beliefs. You know, I love this topic because I think um, when I really got a hold of the idea that the stories we tell ourselves are maybe the most powerful driver in our lives, you know, I heard somebody say once that the quality of your life is determined by the quality of the stories you're telling yourself. Obviously, that's an overly simplistic way of thinking about it, but there's a lot of truth in it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we are unconscious of the narratives that we have about our lives, which often take root in times of grief or loss or disappointment, uh, they can really start driving the bus. There's a really funny book that my kids have that call it's called Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus. And those of you who have little oh, kids yes. will be familiar <laughs> with it. <laughs> and it's all about, you know, this little pigeon character who is just compulsively obsessed with driving the school bus. And you all can imagine what a bad idea that would be. Well, that's kind of like our narratives, right? Our narratives could be the pigeon that drives the bus. And we want to really boot that pigeon out of the driver's seat and put ourselves squarely back behind the wheel. And that's, I think, what we're talking about today. It's interesting. We've actually talked about this recently on the Focus on This podcast, um, especially about how our thinking uh, or there are narratives we're telling ourselves. We don't see them as narrative. We actually just see it as fact. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Truth. Well, I I had an experience just to illustrate it. Back, Back in the 90s, I mentioned this on the previous episode, but I went through a bankruptcy. And one of the limiting beliefs that came out of that was I just said, gosh, I must not be very good with money. And I thought like it was this thing, you know, that you either had a predisposition to be good with money or you had one to not be good with money. And I came to the unconscious, and that's the key thing, unconscious conclusion that I wasn't very good with money. And so that shaped the way that I approached money, the way I thought about money, the way I handled about money. And I remember uh, ultimately waking up to that limiting belief and saying, I've got to do something about that. And it took some work, first of all, to excavate it, but then second of all, to transform it into what we often call liberating truths and to say that, you know, you know, I may not know much about money, but I can learn. You know, that was kind of where it first started. And then to start even to go further with that and say, you know what, I, I think I can, this is something I can really grow into and be great at. So just another example of how these things become unconscious. So the idea is something happens in our lives, right? And then we tell ourselves something 
about ourselves or the world or other people that it's true to explain why the thing happened. And so I last week went and got some blood work done. So if you guys listen to uh, Lead to Win, you know that I, in May I had a heart attack, a rare kind of heart attack. I don't have any heart attack risk factors. Anyway, long story, you can go listen to the episode on that. We'll link to it in the show notes. But I, as a part of that, you know, I have blood work done every now and then. So I go get my blood work done. And I'm thinking I've been taking all these supplements. I've really been like doubling down on my health. Like I just can't wait to see these, these numbers looking even better, you know, that were already pretty good. Well, I get my numbers back and they're terrible, hmm. right? Like my cholesterol's super high, all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know what happened. You know, I'm exercising, I'm sleeping well, I'm eating well, all the things. Like what in the world could it be? So I go down this whole rabbit hole all weekend of like foods to lower your cholesterol. You know, I'm like reworking my, my diet, all kinds of stuff, right? So this morning I'm sitting in my chair doing my morning ritual. I've got my full focus planner out. I'm planning my food for the day, you know, as part of my morning ritual. And it occurs to me that I have made a mistake. I went to go get my blood work without fasting. Now, I have had my blood work done a gajillion times. I know this. You got to go first thing in the morning. But I don't know. I asked my assistant to set it up. I never thought about it. Didn't think about what those labs were. Well, if you've ever had your cholesterol tested, you know, you got to do it before you eat in the morning. Well, the point is, is that I had this whole narrative that I developed about my health and about how I was doing with taking care of myself and what kind of a person I was, you know, this, this whole thing based on what I thought were results that turned out to be erroneous, right? And in reality, the, like what happened was I got test results that were not in the right direction. What I told myself was that I was doing something wrong. In reality, I had taken the test at the wrong time of the day, but that narrative felt so true, right? Because I have some fear around that. Right. Anyway, that's what we're talking about. Well, and I think what's really interesting there is it wasn't just impacting your thinking. It was your thinking impacted your actions. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. You started changing all the things that, you know, you were documenting your, your food. And I think that's kind of the point here is if we're yep. not really careful, you know, those impact our, our actions and, you know, get us the get us results based off those actions. But it all, you know, tracks back to, um, you know, our thinking and the stories we tell ourselves. Yep. Yeah, and it can, cer- it? It can certainly ahead, send us send us down into this downward spiral loop that's really hard to pull ourselves out of. Because, like you said, if your thinking is attached to your actions, it it it, it filters its way into just how you view every every other thing uh, that's attached to your life, and it's 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 hard to live like that. It's hard to it's hard to get your eyes up on the horizon to see you know what could be possible because you have no real. Um, you have no real starting point to really formulate a liberating truth if everything is just looking downward and, you know, you feel like you're just in this kind of a death spin at that point. Well, you kind of feel like the victim. Yes. And I think one of the things that I have loved about this idea of taking charge of the narrative as a as a mechanism for really grabbing a hold of agency in our lives is that we can choose a better story. Like, the the events of our life, the facts of our lives are basically pretty boring, right? And the stories that we wrap around them are far more subjective than we realize. And we can choose, we're not talking about like, you know, woo-woo affirmation kind of stuff. We're just talking about 
what would be more what would be more um, empowering and how can we start designing the stories so that the stories start giving way to the actions we take you know because like the actions from I got a blood test with bad results that I took at the wrong time of day looks like ask my assistant to schedule an appointment to go back first thing in the morning. Like it's real simple. The actions for my cholesterol is crazy high and there's no explanation for it is me trying to see specialists and overhauling my diet and eating oatmeal three times a day. And you know what I mean? Like it's, a, it's completely different actions, which wouldn't have even been necessary or helpful because what I suspect I will find when I go back and have that blood work done later this week is everything is actually better than the last time I had it done, which was already pretty good. And I just need to keep doing what I'm doing, but I could really get myself off track with the wrong actions if I have the wrong story. Okay, so I have a question that I want to throw out on the table because, you know, one of the things that we've mentioned as we've talked about limiting beliefs is that, you know, they're they're hard to detect because we assume that what we perceive is reality. We don't make a distinction between our perception and what we're perceiving, but they are two different things. So how would you all say, how have you been successful in the past in even uncovering or detecting uh, a limiting belief? It's interesting that you brought that up because we actually just talked about this um, on the focus on this uh, podcast about having other people, you know, equipped to be able to call those out. Or even if you're like, I really want to, you know, kind of examine uh, my thinking here, you know, asking somebody close to you, like, do you see those um, in my life? You know, and especially if you have somebody that has, you know, is familiar with this terminology, or maybe they've gone through your best year ever before, you know, you can actually help each other in the moment with those, you know, I think at Michael Hyatt and company, you know, we all have this language so we can help each other if somebody says like, oh, I'm terrible at, you know, X, Y, Z, the red flag goes off. And we jokingly say like, that sounds like a limiting belief. But, you know, even for Chase, my husband Chase and I, you know, we both have that that language now, and we can help each other, you know, in the moment. But I think you're right. For me, a lot of times it's other people that are helping me see that uh, limiting belief. Well, it's easier to do when you're looking at somebody else than when you're looking in the mirror and trying to, to detect it for yourself. But what I listen for, you know, when I'm coaching somebody, what I'm listening for is their language. That gives me access yeah. to their thinking. And so when they say something that is limiting why they can't do something, you know, they're they're basically giving you a reason for why they can't do something. You know, I'm too old. I'm too young. I don't have enough education. I don't know the right people. I don't have enough capital. You know, I don't know how to do that. Whatever it is, then that is always a trigger to me. You know, again, it's hard, hard to detect it in myself, but it's pretty much, it's easy to detect it in somebody else. So I think it is helpful to pull somebody else in or to give the other people in our lives permission to do that. I know Marissa, who's our marketing director and my youngest daughter, Megan's youngest sister, she'll often say when a limiting belief comes out of my mouth, she'll say to me, she'll say, well, dad, if you say so, which is (laughs) is true. Mm -hmm. I mean, because the only thing that's giving that, that limiting belief life is me kind of speaking it into existence. And again, not in a woo-woo kind of way, but just kind of in a way of that perception is going to shape everything if I let it go unchecked. Yeah. And I think also, Michael, we spoke about this on that same episode, but just the importance 
of giving those things when you're talking about yourself it's more easily identifiable than others when you hear them speak but when you're talking about identifying those within yourself to give those things a name and actually put them on paper because quite often you probably don't expect you don't express those verbally but how do you identify them if they're just things that you've assumed to be true in your own head and you've never challenged that belief and i know uh i think it was think blake was talking about you know he has a regularly scheduled thing that he does where he purposely goes and looks for and to identify those limiting beliefs and then, you know, kind of bounces those off of, I think, either his wife or some friends. But just how important it is to actually think about how you think about things, whether it's the world, whether it's yourself, whether it's others, and just write those things on paper, certain perspectives or thoughts you may have so you can see them in front of you and then, you know, challenge that limiting belief as well as attach it with the liberating truth. Okay, so here's a question for y'all. As we're looking ahead to 2022, what do you think the relationship is between these narratives that we have that are disempowering or empowering and goal setting? Like how can goal setting be a way that we intentionally create a better story, that we intentionally um, create a better, some better narratives around our lives um, to drive different results? I think when we set goals, it's it's kind of an act of defiant hope. Hmm. You know, we're saying maybe in the face of that limiting belief, or we're saying in the face of the fact that we experienced some negative things the past year or two, we're just saying, despite that, I'm going to believe for a better tomorrow. And it sounds trite, I know, but we're going we're gonna to create a different tomorrow because the past, and I, I learned this from Tony Robbins, the past does not equal the future. You know, just because something happened in the past doesn't mean we're doomed in some sort of fatalistic way to repeat it. And when you say that out loud, it it sounds obvious, but many of us act as if that's the case, yeah. that that the future is just going to be more of what we've had in the past. But the future could be radically different. And I think the, the first place we have to go and the first thing we have to acknowledge is that the future is a blank canvas. You know, nothing has been written on it. Nothing has been painted yet. And we get to decide... You know, and this is, I think, a, a, an act of divine grace, but we get to decide what that's going to look like. You know, we get to decide what it is we want to accomplish, what we want to pursue. And I think it, it, it begins by asking ourselves the question, what would I like instead? You know, if you think about your health, for example, or you think about your marriage or a relationship with one of your kids mm-hmm. or your career or the business that you'd like to start to ask yourself the question, you know, if, if if I could just dream and I didn't have any limiting beliefs, what would I like to see happen? And I think that's where it's got to begin, almost with the aspirations, even before you get to the goals. What I do like about uh, our goal setting process is when you go to frame up your goals, we have the SMARTER acronym. And I think three of those uh, points really challenge your limit, or at least for myself, they'll challenge my limiting uh, beliefs is, is the exciting part. Is it risky? And is it relevant? And if I can kind of camp out on those a little bit, it'll by default, it'll identify what my current thinking is. And I have to kind of kind of have to bounce it back and forth a few times till I get past limiting belief. So if it's something that's risky, well, maybe I'm too old to really try that. I can hurt myself. But but can you really hurt yourself? (laughs) There's there's guys in their 70s doing the same thing. Is that true? 
So <laughs> those those three points normally uh, force some more thought and some more digging into my own limiting beliefs that normally end up showing up on paper. Yeah, I love um, just how our your best year ever process gives you a way to um, <laughs> kind of excavate these things and then in a way hold your own feet to the fire to develop a better way of thinking about your life and the mm-hmm. stories you're telling yourself, your beliefs that are driving your actions. So it's not just like, here's what I don't think works. If you just sort of set goals, like, you know, you just get your yellow pad out on January 1st and you write some stuff down and you don't really go through a process of identifying the things that might hold you back and what you're going to think instead, then, I mean, I think that those, those goals just, they, they quickly find their way up onto the, the proverbial shelf because you really haven't created a fertile ground where they can take root. And I think that's this work of identifying your limiting beliefs and liberating truths that we walk you through in our goal setting course, your best year ever really helps you to, to lay the groundwork so that your goals, the things you really want the most in your life can flourish ultimately. Okay, I'm about to drop a controversial statement. Y'all tell me if you think this <laughs> hey, is true good, or not. not Coming in okay. high. Let's do it. All right, here we go. I actually think the most powerful piece of goal setting is finding your limiting beliefs. I think it's more powerful than even the like goal setting and achievement part of it. Yeah. I, Disagree or agree? I think that's right. Because if you can remove the obstacle of your limiting belief, everything becomes possible. Hmm. And so I don't know if it's the most important part, and maybe that's not what you said, but but I definitely think that's an important part of it because that's the very thing that's keeping us from getting the life we want. I just keep thinking about myself. Like, what if I had learned in my early 20s, you know, like the power of my thinking, you know, if I had been able to kind of have this language around limiting beliefs. Like to me, that feels like, like life changing, you know, of, of being able to do that. Uh, So it's like, if nothing else that you take from the goal setting process is of this, like practice, this like, you know, this ongoing identification of limiting beliefs that feels really powerful in your life. Could I, I'm going to make it even more controversial. I would back it up from limiting beliefs. And say what's even more profound is to understand there's a difference between what you experience and how you interpret that experience. Yep. So those are two different things. So the second one can create the limiting belief for sure, but you're not going to get to that until you differentiate and say, look, just because I experienced it and just because I interpreted it in a certain way doesn't make that interpretation true. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Yeah. Realizing that you can think about your thinking, realizing that your thinking is not necessarily true, that it can be examined, that you can kind of pull it out and look at it and, you know, see what you want to do with it. That is a revolutionary idea, especially if you care about achieving things and you don't want that to just be haphazard and random and, you know, based on luck. And I don't have scientific research to back up this statement I'm about to say, but I think what you just said, Courtney, is that is the main disconnect between just setting a resolution and actually Mm -hmm. goal achievement, right? Because you're, you have the part of, I want to be hopeful, but you haven't really done the work of identifying those limiting beliefs. And so you're kind of setting out 
um, a hopeful situation that you're not really connected to at the deepest part of who you are mm-hmm. because you haven't done the, the work on the front end of what you guys just mentioned. So it's like, yeah, I, I'm going to set it. I may make it. I may not. If I don't, it's OK. I'll move on to the next thing. So you're not really invested uh, to that degree. Well, you're not so really good. aligned. I mean, yes. I, I think mm-hmm. you're not really aligned internally because what you have is an un you're unaware of an internal conflict that that exists. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? And you'll sabotage. Yeah. Your your narrative, your interpretation will always trump your experience. Yep. And or what you want people, or what you want. Right. And sometimes people call this confirmation bias, but it's it's kind of like we impose upon reality these frameworks that are mental frameworks that we have. And so if we've had a negative experience with something and we see that same pattern again, we often respond in the same way because we think, oh, I've seen this pattern before. And so we don't realize that we have a choice, that we can create a different narrative. We can create a different set of beliefs. And that's why I love that sign in my kitchen that says, don't believe everything you think. Well, you know, if you're thinking to yourself right now, gosh, I didn't even know this was a thing or it's been a while since (laughs) I thought about my thinking. I probably need to do some work on that as I'm looking ahead to 2022 because there are things that you want in 2022 that really matter to you. I just want to invite you to join us for uh, a free training that we're doing that really goes in depth about how do you design the kind of year you really want in 2022, including removing these obstacles that we've been talking about, most importantly, those that are in your thinking. And dad, you're going to be teaching this, right? Yep. It's called Become Your Best in 2022, Seven Steps to the Life You Want. And again, it's free, but basically it's a webinar format, but I'm going to take you through these seven steps of how to set you up, especially in your thinking, so that you can absolutely kill 2022 and design the life you want and end up on December the 31st of 2022, looking back and feeling great about what you, what you accomplished, not just in your career, not just in your business, but in the totality of your life. Absolutely. So again, this is totally free. Uh, you can join us by signing up at bestyearever.me slash webinar. Courtney, Michael, Megan, Thank you so much uh, for this conversation. It's rare that we get to have these conversations on the podcast medium. So thank you. Thank you, the listener. We encourage you to tune in tomorrow. We're going to have another conversation discussing how does facing difficulties and pursuing goals in spite of those difficulties allow us to experience personal transformation. So tune in tomorrow. We'll have another great episode. Thanks for listening. Stay winning. (laughs) 